Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Pastor Larry Davis. All right. <clears throat> well, uh, what we're doing this morning is we're finishing up a series uh, that we've done for the last two weeks. This is the third week in a row uh, called The Prodigal God. And uh, it's the story uh, from Luke 15. So if you guys have your Bibles, you want to grab that. Uh, it's in Luke 15. If the Bible's in front of you guys, it's on page 1035. Because I'll flip there, we're going to dig in. And so if you've been in the room with us in a part of this series, uh, you'll know that what we've been doing is tackling this parable uh, where Jesus told um, during his uh, ministry here on earth uh, about the prodigal son in this parable. And what we're going to discover today, and I think this is really the moment that we just really land this whole conversation these last couple weeks, is that in this story, although that we've heard over and over again about being how deeply God loves us and those who are lost and far from him, and that God will go to almost any extent to bring him home and bring them back, that actually that's not the point of this parable. That's not the point of why Jesus told this parable. And actually, if you look in the scripture in the two parables beforehand about the lost sheep and the lost coin, you'll see that this really ends up being the bookmark on the backside of this, this story, and it really lands this conversation, which Jesus gives us this aha moment for all those who were listening to this parable. So what we're going to discover today is simply this. The parable was meant to have a conversation with older brothers. So my opening question, we've done this the last couple of weeks, you guys get to interact right now. The opening question is this. What is the role of a typical older sibling, brother or sister, just an eldest. So turn to the people next to you, talk about that. I'm going to snag a few hands in just a second. So what is the role of a typical elder sibling? All right. I'm going to snag a couple over here first. What do you got? I need hands. Like real high hands. Yeah, there you go. What not, what not to do. They make sure they tell you what not to do. Sure. What about over here in the middle? Sure, they set, it, they set the bar high. They set an example. Over here. Yes. Take the brunt of the discipline. <laughs> yes. What? They get the other ones in trouble. Word. I did. I was the older sibling. I totally did that. <laughs> oh man! All right. So within the parable, there's these three characters. Um, there's the younger son who goes away. There's the father who welcomes back, and then there's the older brother who wishes the younger brother had never come home. And Jesus actually told this parable for the benefit of older brothers. And when you see that in this context today, suddenly all sorts of lights start to come on in our lives. So here's the deal, because I know not everyone is here for this course, and there's probably some of you maybe in here that's never even heard this story, probably hearing it for the first time. Uh, I want to go ahead and catch everybody up. So the parable of the lost son or the prodigal God goes simply like this. There's a, a son, and there's a wealthy father, and uh, he goes up to dad and is like, hey, dad, we got to talk. 
and say they had this conversation that goes something like this. You know, I just, I just can't do this anymore, living under the rules of this household. And, you know, I just feel like I need to go out and do my own thing and that there's just something more and I really need to discover that. And I need your money to do that. So I need you to go ahead and give me uh, my inheritance. Uh, I know it sounds kind of like I'm wishing that you were dead because this doesn't happen yet, but that's not really the case. But I want to leave and, and go away. So the father hits him really hard <clears throat> uh, with the fact that he's going to give him the money. <clears throat> and uh, he sends him on his way as a loving father. And um, he go ahead and uh, cashes out his inheritance. And so the son is jazzed. He's like stoked, fired up. He's going out and spending money already. And he gets, like I told before, he gets like this sweet three-hump camel. It had like at least a hump and a half under the hood. It's like the Expedition Class LE. It is sweet leather interior. And so he starts going and he is like on his way, loading it up. He is out of here, off the far country. And as he's going down his father's long driveway ranch house, he looks over and he sees the sheep. And he's like, man, those things smell so bad. If I don't have to see another sheep in my life, man, this is going to be good. And as he continues to go along, and he's just so excited about what's going on, and that he's going off the far country, he sees the orchard and the fig trees. Man, if I don't ever have to eat a fig again, things are going to be good. And he continues to go along, and he sees the fields and and the wheat in the field, and man, if I don't ever have to hold a sickle again and bundle wheat, Far country is going to be sweet. And so as he goes further, he sees the big billboard. Far country is closer than you think. <laughs> and he's like just excited, thinking about what's going to happen. And life's just good. No more rules. He's going to discover everything. And he, and he sees another sign. Far country. What happens in far country stays in far country. <laughs> and what happens is the son does everything that a father would hope a son would never do. He lives with a recklessness, abandonment, and carelessness in his life that ultimately leads to nothing but consequence, failure, disappointment, and loss. To the point that after he loses everything and squanders it all, everything is spent, everything is lost, he finds himself slopping pigs. Every single person that's hearing this story at this moment during this parable would have gasped because There could have been nothing lower for a young Jewish boy to do. It violated all of their kosher. It violated all their ceremonial law. He has hit the bottom. And in the midst of this moment, right now, while he's slopping uh, the, the pigs and pouring it into the trough, he finds himself reaching for a cob and fighting with a pig for just a cob, for just some food. And Scripture says it this way, that he came to his senses. He came to himself. He said, at home, even the servants in my father's house don't wrestle with the pigs. So he turns and starts to head home. Imagine every step and walk, how humiliating, how terrifying as he heads home. And the scripture even says as he rehearses what he was going to say to his dad. Father, I have sinned against you and against heaven, and I'm no longer worthy to be your son. And as he turns the corner to the ranch house, 
to his dad's property, he sees off to the side the wheat fields. Man, what I wouldn't give the whole sickle if my dad would just let me go out into the fields and bundle wheat. And he goes a little further, sees the fig trees. Oh, if my dad would just, if, oh, a fig. If I could just have a fig, if my dad would let me just come and be a servant. A little further, he sees a sheep. Man, I love sheep. (laughs) If my dad would just let me, I will watch those sheep like no one's watched sheep before. It says, well, he was still a long, long way off. His father saw him and runs to him down the driveway, hops over the fence. He goes to him and he gets to his son. And just as he gets to his son, his son begins to go ahead and tell his rehearsed speech. Rehearsed speech. Father, I have sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be your son. Just let me be your son. And his dad says, you're crazy. You've always been my son. Welcome home. And when a lot of you guys hear this story, a lot of us hear this story, you say, that's where the story ends. That's where we kind of finished the parable. They, had, they killed the calf, and they gave him a robe and a ring and some shoes, and it was like this big, huge town celebration. We're like, man, that just feels good. That's a feel-good story. <clears throat> and what, what we get told is that why Jesus taught this, it doesn't matter how far we've gone or what we've done, that there's always a loving God, a Father, who wants you to come home. And that is surely part of this conversation. That is surely part of this conversation, but it's not the conversation. It's not what Jesus was trying to say to the audience he was talking to. Jesus told the first two parables, and now this parable to set up what we're going to look at today. A very small section that deals with, are you ready? The older brother and his response to the younger brother coming home. And what Jesus is trying to do at this very moment is contrast the, the heart of a father versus the heart of the older brother. The heart of the father and how he treated the younger brother and the heart of the older brother who says, you don't deserve to be here. If I had my way, you'd still be gone. So we're going to go and hop into it. Luke 15, 1. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. Do you get who that is? This is the younger brothers. These are the sinners who are hanging out with Jesus. It's really cool to start noticing that those who are farthest from God, who are not near him, are the ones that are always drawn to him and hanging out with him. So then uh, 15.2, it says, But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. You, you get this moment right here. Jesus is hanging out with the sinners, with the younger brothers. And the Pharisees, they're all jealous because he's got the sinners at his service. And they're sitting around, and they're going, you see who his congregation is? You see who the people who he's hanging out with? I mean, he's got to be like watering down the message or something. Because if he was really speaking the truth, they wouldn't, they wouldn't be there. Can you like even imagine thinking Jesus watering down the gospel? 
And they're all standing out to the side saying, you know why they're, they're there, right? They're just there for the show. Jesus is doing all this healing the leper stuff and breaking loaves and feeding thousands and turning water into wine. That's why they're there. They're just there for the show. And when the show grows old, they'll leave. And they're saying stuff like, oh yeah, there's a crowd over there, but they're all shallow. And there's only a few of us that are really into God and we're quality. And in the midst of their criticism, in the midst of their criticism, Jesus tells a parable, 15.3. says, then Jesus told them this parable. Then, guys, his audience is the Pharisees. His audience isn't the sinners. It's the teachers of the law. So he goes through and tells this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. That shepherd goes off and finds and looks and seeks after the sheep until he finds it, and then finds it and celebrates. Then he goes along to tell the next one. And it says that there's a woman who lost a coin. She has ten silver coin and loses one. So she lights up her house and sweeps and cleans and looks for it until she finds it. And when she finds it, she's celebrating, she's happy, and she calls her friends. This, what he's doing next is for the sake of the elder brothers who are watching what God is doing in this moment and found room to criticize. This is huge for you and me this morning because every one of us is going to have to decide right now as we get into this next story of the prodigal son, we're going to decide whether or not we have the heart of the father or the heart of the elder brother. See, everyone's going to have to decide who we are because the younger brother is inconvenient. It's expensive. It's uncomfortable. The younger brother is uncomfortable when he comes home. And we're going to have to decide, do I have the heart of the father who's welcoming? So here's what we're going to do right now. We're just going to take a couple of moments and, and just be open and honest and take a look at these two different attitudes and what they mean in our lives and what they're saying right here. So here it is. Principle number one. It's in your little films right there. The heart of the father is always preoccupied with the lost son. The heart of the father is always preoccupied with the lost son. The heart of the father is absolutely consumed with the idea that my son is missing. And the son is gone. And the father would say or do anything. Say, look, look, look. There's a lot of other things going on right now. There's a lot of important stuff. But my thing, the thing, my son is missing. He is consumed And there's nothing else right now that we're doing. Nothing else that's happening, although really important, is as important as that. So imagine this for my mom. She uh, she loves the Disney store. She like loves Tigger. She could like just sleep there, and uh, she would uh, watch our uh, our daughter every once in a while, Maddie. And that's like the easy thing to do: take her to the mall, take her to Disney store because there's lots of cool stuff. So imagine in this moment, she's. uh, She's at the Disney store, and she's watching Maddie, and she gets entranced with Tigger stuff. And suddenly, she looks over and notices, Malin's not there. Suddenly, there's a sense of panic that comes over my mom as she's like, where's Maddie? Oh, my gosh. And so she has to guess at this moment, which way did she go? So she looks, and she's got to think, man, she has to have run deeper into the Disney store. So then she turns and starts running deeper into the Disney store, screaming, Maddie! Freaking out right now, where in fact, 
Maddie's turned around and gone the other way down the middle of the mall, running as fast as her little two-year-old legs will take her. Now, in this moment that this is happening, she is overcome with that Madeline is gone. Now, she could have just said, well, it's okay. Larry and Michelle can just have another one. (laughs) But no, no, no. The heart of the father says, go get the son. Do whatever it takes, whatever it, whatever it costs. If you're in the room today and you're a younger brother and there's been some moment in your life where you've just said, look, the church is holding me back. I just don't think I need all these God rules in my life. And you've gone and done the far land, the far country thing. You just need to hear me say this out loud. Your heavenly father is consumed with the idea of you coming home. He's been looking down the driveway every day waiting to see you because that's the heart of the father. It's not the heart of the older brother. As a matter of fact, the older brother is consumed with himself. You can fill that in. The older brother is consumed with himself, with what what it's going to cost him, with what an inconvenience the younger brother is in coming home. So go ahead and jump with me now to Luke 15, 25. It starts with meanwhile. You know what meanwhile means? Meanwhile means something big is about to happen. Meanwhile means is this. Little Red Riding Hood went to the grandma's cottage. Meanwhile, the wolf sharpened his teeth. All right? That's what meanwhile is. All right, so verse 25. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard the music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come home, he replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has come back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in, so his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, saying, Look! This is like a pivotal moment. This is something you never do. This is your father. You don't talk back to him, and he's he's fed up and says, Look! All these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. You get that on the day that the younger brother came home right now, that there was only two people upset about it, the older brother and the fatted calf. (laughs) So let me tell you why this is such a big deal to the, to the older brother and the culture of this time. So what happened is, is that the inheritance was split up, and the eldest got the inheritance. And when there was two, when there was a second, uh, it was split up into thirds. And so what happened was is the eldest, the firstborn, would get two-thirds, and uh, the youngest would get uh, one-third, or the second would get one-third. And so what happened is, is as the younger brother left, and he got his inheritance, he, got, he took a third. So now there's two-thirds left. And why he is so upset at this moment is because when his father welcomed him back into the home as an heir again, as free again, what happens is, is the older brother has to give up half. And that's why he's upset. He's going, Dad, you know him coming home? That's deeply uncomfortable. This son of yours who has squandered everything on prostitutes. You get that in church when younger brothers come home. You see parking lots get full. 
And you have to walk a long way in the cold and the wind. You see that when younger brothers and sisters come home, that doorways get like super jammed and hallways get jammed as people are trying to drop off their kid when younger brothers and sisters come home. And worst of all, you see like this giant line and crowd at the coffee (laughs) when younger brothers and sisters come home. You have a harder time finding a seat when younger brothers and sisters start coming home. And you know what older brothers say in this moment? Find your own seat. I've been at the 930 service and my seat is staked. (laughs) Find your own seat. It's always uncomfortable when younger brothers come home, younger sisters come home. But you know what the heart of the father says? Boy, there's not enough parking. Maybe we should get some trams for when younger brothers and sisters come home. The hallways and the doors are crowded. Maybe we need more hallways and doors for when younger brothers and sisters come home. If the seats are full, maybe we need more seats because the younger brothers and sisters need to know that there's room for them and there's room for her when they decide to come home. That's the heart of the Father. There's a second contrast. Not only the first, but the Father operated from a place of forgiveness and acceptance. The father operated from a place of forgiveness and acceptance. And the older brother operated from a place of shame and condemnation. How does the younger brother know he can go home? Think about it for a minute. How did he know he could go home? He's blown it. I mean, like, he's blown it big time right now. How does he know that he can go home to his father? Because he's already seen his dad in action. He remembers that time when one of the servants made that huge air, bundling air in the fields. And he remembers that, that other time when one of his father's friends had disappointed. And he remembers that at that moment, he was met with love and acceptance. He remembers that. In his heart, he said, I think there's a chance. I think there's a chance. And he heads home. Now, let's change it up just for a second alternate ending. What if you could DVR this whole story, right? And you could rewind it back, all the moving backwards, slow motion. You could go back to that moment when the son turns the corner to the driveway of his father's ranch house. And he could see in the distance there was someone there waiting for him. But this time, it was the older brother. Not dad anymore. His older brother. So you get that the story is going to be a little bit different already. His older brother says something like this. You don't belong here. Dude, you smell like the pigs. Clean yourself up. You get when younger brothers and sisters come home, they can be a little sloppy. You get that sometimes when they come home, they can still have a little eau de swine on them. I'm going to tell you this story. When I, when I first came here, first came here to Northgate, not many people knew who I was, and I met a younger brother. And uh, this younger brother came up to me and said, man, this is the best bleepity bleeping church I've ever been to. And I'm like, this is awesome. He doesn't know who I am. Man, the people are bleepity. This is great. And I'm like, wow. And I'm, I, I, I got to tell you, I was kind of almost having an older brother moment. <clears throat> I'm like, woo. 
And all of a sudden, he's like, George! And we're at the coffee. What the hell are you doing here? Oh, older brother. And I'm wondering what the older brothers are thinking at this moment. They're thinking, our church has gone to HD double hockey sticks. That's what they're all thinking, because older brothers wouldn't say that, right? I bet, I thought to myself too, I bet, I, I wonder what the younger brothers and sisters that are thinking listen to this. I bet they're thinking I'm home. You get that when younger brothers and sisters come into the room, they're going to be a little sloppy. You get that they're going to have t-shirts that are going to have like horns on them. Older brothers are going to go, did you see that shirt? That was like demonic, man. I almost went over to the resource center to get him a fish shirt just to put on over it. <laughs> you realize that when younger sisters come home, that their skirt's going to be a little too short and that their blouse is going to be a little too low. No older sisters are going to go, did you see that? She was just hanging out. And my husband, well, then slap your husband. <laughs> you get that when they come back, their language isn't going to be right. They're probably going to forget their Bibles. You get that that's why we put our verses up on the screen. Why do we put our, our, our verses up on the screen? Well, we put them in the bulletins as well because youngers and brothers and sisters don't bring their Bible. And they're going to be pierced in really weird places. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Look, you guys aren't hearing me say that that's all right and that's all okay. You're not hearing me say that, all that stuff. I wish that everyone brought their Bibles to church. I wish that the younger sister's skirt was a little longer and their blouse was a little higher. And as they grow and mature, you have to understand that that's going to change. That's going to change over time. But youngers and brothers and sisters come home smelling a little bit like the pigs. The heart of the father threw his arms around the son in rags and said, welcome home. The older brother says, you don't deserve here. Clean yourself up. So you have to decide. Do I have the heart of the father do I have the heart of the older brother? There's a third and final contrast. The father left the lights on and the doors unlocked. And the older brother turned off the lights, locked the doors, and said, find your own way home. So where do you get that, Larry? I don't see that in there. But you get it in the passage. You see, when he finally came home, the father saw him when he was a long way off. Why does he see him when he's a long way off? Well... Because dad has been looking down the driveway ever since he left, hoping, hoping he would come home. And that's why he left the lights on and the doors unlocked. Older brothers, you say, you realize that that's expensive? Leaving the lights on all night? That's expensive. You guys know that there's all sorts of budget stuff going on here. That The economy is no mystery to you guys. You guys can even see in the bulletins that we're not even making the budget. Things are tight. It's no mystery to you. And some say, well, I can, I can tell you where to save some money. How about you don't do mailers and stuff? That costs a lot. Or community outreach events. Or invite days. Or family nights. Or signs. That's a lot of money. You don't need to do movie ads in the movie theater. Those are expensive. 
Those are the lights on. That's you and me saying to the younger brothers and sisters, if you ever turn your face towards home, home is here. And the lights are on and you've been invited home. See, the older brother cares too much about how much it costs. That costs too much. We need more return. The heart of the father says, it costs too much not to do it. Sometimes older brothers turn on older brothers. See, churches is, is, is very different when that happens. Uh, they say, well, we need to do church this way, and we need to have this kind of coffee, and we need the music to be like this and to sound like this, and this and that and this. I'm not going to make that. They just criticize. But when older brothers get younger brothers and sisters, church is very different. It's not always looking the same. It's not always dressing Sunday best. It's not always everyone's kind of music or volume. There's even smoke. <laughs> and older brothers, the only time they know smoke in church is when the elders are mad. <laughs> but here's why they put up with it. It's because they're making room for the younger brothers and sisters. They're willing to trade the older brother look and feel. They're even willing to have a worship leader with a mohawk. (laughs) I'm going to get in trouble for that one. (laughs) They're willing to put up with that because they know that their kids will come to church. That maybe even their grandkids will come to church. And the older brother who gets it is always willing to make room for the younger brother once he discovers the heart of the father. It's interesting if you think about those first two parables that Jesus told. Then this moment, there's first off the parable of the lost sheep. And the shepherd went and, and looked and sought after him with everything that he had. He left the 99 and went looking to go get him and found him and brought him home. And then you saw it with the coins. She stopped everything that she was doing, cleaned her house, lit it up, and sought with everything that she had, all of her heart to find that one lost coin. In the first two stories, somebody seeks. You get to the parable, parable of the prodigal son, nobody goes. Nobody seeks the younger brother. And I wonder if you ask Jesus what happened there. What, what was that? What happened there? He would say, somebody was supposed to go. It was the older brother. The older brother was supposed to hop on his camel and chase after his brother and bring him home. But he was more worried about himself. He was more worried about the inconvenience of the younger brother coming home, about how expensive it was going to be, about his sloppiness, and he stayed. If you and I are going to be a church with the heart of the Father, then you and I as individuals need to be a people with the heart of the Father. Because when younger brothers and sisters walk in that door, guess who they're going to meet? before they ever hear a sermon, before they ever even hear the band strike a note, here would be the win. The win would be if older brother churches could look at Northgate and say, have you seen those guys? They welcome sinners. They seek sinners. They chase sinners. They even eat with them. You guys pray with me.
I really enjoyed this series. I've been on vacation the last couple weeks, which has made me really enjoy this series. Um, but the nice thing is with podcasting, I've been able to follow along what's been going on. And, and Larry has just done such a great job um, taking this whole thing apart, this whole chapter apart. And it really comes down to who we are as a church. And you know what the most insidious thing is about older brother mentality? Is it happens without us realizing it. It just kind of, it's our default position. And in, in 30 plus years now of pastoring, I've seen so many younger brothers become older brothers thinking that's maturity. And it's not. Maturity is the father. And whenever we start thinking, what's in it for me? What do I get out of it? How do I like it? That's older brother thinking. Developing a heart of the Father takes intentionality. It takes deliberateness. 19 years ago, we started this church with a deliberate commitment that we were going to be a church, a heart of the Father church, whatever that took. And that has been the single guiding principle of every decision that we have made in the life of this church, every step that we have taken in the direction, in the ministries, in the staffing, in the leadership, that has been our guiding principle because we want to be a heart of the Father church. But that can't just be in the leadership. That only happens if it gets down and saturates every one, in our, uh, every one of our hearts. And that must be intentional and that must be deliberate. You and I must make heart of the Father choices all the time. We've done that as a church, and, and, and we have seen God do incredible things. But it's so easy to get so far along after 19 years and develop into an older brother heart church. And we don't want that. We want to keep that heart of the Father. And we've got some tremendous and exciting opportunities ahead of us coming up. In fact, as we're heading into the fall, there's two particular areas in our church that we're addressing specifically because they have gone unaddressed for a long period of time. It's particularly our children's ministries and our student ministries. Um, They have been areas that have been kind of um, neglected or just put on hold for a long period of time. And and it's time to re-energize. It's time to refocus um, on on the students and the children of our church and their friends who are not yet in the family. And so we're making a big, big investment in that. Um, And you can be a part of it. Um, it, The whole thing is called DIG. And if you want to take out in your program there. There's a little bit of blurb on it. You'll hear a bit more about that as we go into the fall, but we're, it's a launching of a whole new, starting with our children's ministry, um, because it's kind of, it, it needs the most um, attention right now. Um, and so we're starting with our children's ministry, and it's very, very exciting, but it is going to take an investment, because, you know, we all know budget's tight. We scaled back our budget incredibly this year, and we're just like on a shoestring budget. Uh, and financially, there's no room in a budget for any new things. And, and we can keep going with older brother Hart saying, well, here's where we could cut and here's where we could cut. But that's not the heart of the Father. The heart of the Father gives and invests. And there's going to take an investment on this. It's going to take an investment of people. We need more volunteers. We need more workers in our children's ministry and in our student ministries, both of them. We need more people who are interested in showing the love of God to kids to students. 
And, and maybe that's where your heart is, and you're already involved in another ministry, and you'd like to serve there, but you can't because you're already committed to another ministry. And maybe you're not going to have a heart for children's ministry or student ministry at all, but you could serve in another area that would free somebody up in that. We need more people to make an investment in the kids and the students of our church, in our community. We need those who are involved in to step up into key areas of leadership now because you've got that experience. And we need people to make that decision and make it now because we've only got three and a half months to be able to fully gear up and launch this. But I'm excited about it. And these people are going to need to be trained and equipped. And and there's a lot being done this summer to just get ready for that. There's going to take an investment of people. It's going to take an investment of time. It's an aggressive timeline. And the time is short. But we want to be able to do that. Um, There are expenses involved in this. We have not bought new curriculum for our children's ministries in over five years. Now, you can kind of get away with that because they move up to the next class and they haven't heard these stories yet, so you just keep recycling it. But you can't keep doing that. That's not how you invest in children. So we need to purchase new curriculum, design new curriculum. We need a safe and secure place for our kids, and our check-in system needs to be upgraded. And that's going to involve expenses. We need to renovate our rooms. Our rooms are basically boxes. And, and we've just made do because that's all we could afford when we finally got up on our property. But those rooms need renovating. They need to become kid-friendly. And the budget for all this that we've put together is something around $20,000. <laughs> and that's not $20,000 we've got budgeted. It's above and beyond. Now, here's what we did. We started talking about this in leadership. We started sharing this vision, dreaming about what if. And about three weeks ago, the leadership of the church, some of the key individuals, either in children's ministries or in our, in, in our leadership overall the church, got together and we talked about this. And we shared this vision and we laid it out and we told people this is what it's going to cost. And we just asked every one of our leaders who were at that meeting, if you would just do this, one thing that we've always asked people to do when it comes to this kind of stuff, would you pray? And just pray, God, what would you have me do to be a part of this? And we established a, a, a completely separate um, fund in our, in our general fund for DIG. And we asked our people to pray and asked over the next two to three weeks, would you send in, you know, make your pledge cards or whatever it is, just let us know. And I want you to know that our leaders have stepped up to the plate. And of that $20,000 budget that we need just to get launched in this whole thing, the leadership of this church has already given or pledged $9,500. Almost half of it from our leadership. Yeah. Now that's exciting because they've invested in this vision. But the leadership can't do it alone. And so we're bringing it to our church family and we're just saying, will you do that? Will you just pray that same prayer that we asked our leaders to pray? Lord, what would you have me to do to be a part of this? Because in the next three and a half months, we need to recruit more people. We need to raise more money. We need to start work on these things. We need to order curriculum. We have all kinds of things that need to be done. So we need to know, and we need to know now. So we're just going to ask our church family, the rest of the church family, now will you follow the leadership? They've set the pace. Will you get on board? Because our kids and the students in our communities are far too valuable to leave lost. And so we're committing to this as a church. And it's not just to children's ministry. It's not just to student ministry. It's a church-wide commitment to say we are investing and we are reaching people who are lost. Are you with me on that? 
All right? So, wait a minute. That came mostly from behind me. Are you with me on that? I already know they are, okay? Because uh, you'll hear more about it in the next couple of weeks. There's a little bit about it in the bulletin. But if you would just do this one thing, if you were just interested in wanting to find out more specifics as we develop this, um, if you would just take out this communication card and on the back side, say, here's an, here's an area I can help. Maybe you already know what you can do financially. If you would do that, if you can say, I'm interested in helping and serving, or I'm serving in one area. If you could get me relief in my area, I'd love to serve here. Whatever it is, if you would just let us know by using this, um, the communication card that we can start moving forward on this because time is of the essence and we want to move forward. It's an aggressive timeline, but we are so excited about the opportunities that lay ahead of us. So um, with that, let's stand. And uh, let's close with this song. Brian? Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California.